morning. Welcome to Talk Line on the Metro News Radio Network. Do not attempt to change the station. You are surrounded. We interrupt this program to bring you an emergency news bulletin. Repeat, this is an emergency bulletin. Keep your radio turned on. From the studios of WVRC Media and the Metro News Radio Network, the voice of West Virginia, comes the most powerful radio show in West Virginia. This, this is Metro News Talk Live with Hoppy Kerchival. Check set line up like Activated Telos Telephone. Switch network control from Charleston to Morganton. Stand by. Q Hoppy, you're on. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encoga Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encoga.com to learn more. Good morning, Joe Nelson Todd, producer Taylor Kennedy with a video stream. You can watch at WVMetroNews.com. Phone number 1-800-765-8255. Text me, 304-TALK-304. I read all the texts. I respond to many, most, and I read some on the air. Let's get right to it because... Uh, the governor is going to take his tax plan on the road. The Justice Road Show is back. Of course, he used it to defeat uh, Amendment 2 uh, back during the election. And now he's going on the road again to sell his tax plan. And that is for a 50% reduction in personal income tax rates over the next three years. It's already been approved by the House overwhelmingly, just two no votes. And the confrontation is with Senate Republicans. Uh, the governor will be in, let me see, he'll be in Parkersburg to, tomorrow, Beckley on Thursday, and Wheeling on Friday. Now, before he gets to those places, he kind of kicked things off with uh, a streamed event yesterday on the tax plan, and there was pretty quick response by Senate President Craig Blair, who has a different view on tax cuts. Let's get the story on that from Brad McElhinney, who covered the story. And Brad's report is brought to you by AARP, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Connect with them on social media at AARPWV or learn more at AARP.org slash WV. Brad, good morning. So a competing arguments yesterday. What did we hear? Yeah, well, you know, the governor made a fairly standard pitch for his tax cut proposal, saying that Toby and Edith his terms for the specific West Virginians who represent the rest of us, that they would benefit, uh, you know, and I thought tried to persuade and steered clear of, of anything that was overtly insulting or uh, a shot at the Senate. I, I thought he, you know, steered clear of that. But uh, President Blair was eager to talk. And so I, I got up to his neck of the woods on the second floor and my first question was, well, were you persuaded? And he said, well, I wasn't coerced. So President Blair clearly thinks that, that these town hall events, these presentations to the public, represent a pressure campaign for meant to get the citizens who may want a tax cut to reach out to their senators and hold their feet to the fire. Well, I wasn't coerced. Hmm. But the next thing that, that Senator Blair told me, which made me dropped my jaw near the floor, maybe not all the way, was that he says the Senate is is working on its own 50% tax cut. And I said, all right, okay. Well, I hadn't heard that before, but over time, incrementally, he said, no, right away, it's a 50% cut up front. I said, oh, that sounds ambitious. Can you get that done within the 60 days? He said, well, we're going to be careful about it. We're going to bring in experts and we're going to listen to them. Uh, so, you know, this is a work in progress by the Senate but they clearly are embarking on their own plan. They, they say that Senator Blair says the governor's plan doesn't add up, that there's too much 
spending desired along with the proposed tax cut that that the governor's plan could not pass the republican dominated caucus because it's out of balance mm-hmm. and that it's time to go back to the drawing board with the senate's own plan all right so with what blair told you and again until you have a bill a lot of it is just is just it's just just words, frankly, uh, not to diminish what the president said, but until you have a bill, you don't know exactly what it is. So the, the Senate president told you, and again, we thought, we were thinking that the plan by the Senate was going to be to a more gradual reduction of the income tax rates, maybe 10 to 15% a year, depending on how the state's revenues were going, and then the rebate or credit of the personal property taxes on vehicles and on business machinery equipment and inventory. So did you pick up a, a vibe that that's now shifting on the Senate side, A, and B, is, is that still going to be out of whack with what the governor wants to do, the governor and the House want to do? Uh, so just between me and you, only between <laughs> me and you, I, I asked Senator Blair about what I thought was the plan, which was what you just described, um, a credit or a rebate on a variety, a range of personal property taxes, and then blending in an income tax cut. And he said, where have you ever heard of that? You're not hearing that from us. And I said, sir, I, I heard that from the Senate finance chairman. <laughs> So yeah, Eric Tarr. I am, I am deeply confused. All I can think of is that it's a, it's a very large caucus. It's 31 members. When Tarr described it to us, he said, well, you know, I've got a, I don't know what the full caucus thinks about it. And so, you know, it, it could just be that, that there are various voices in that caucus of 31 pushing different ideas. Um, but the Senate president, obviously, is now thinking about all right, an income tax cut, but combined with with specific things that, that the state will be willing to cut on the expense side. Uh, his view is that, that the administration has banked on the surplus being able to absorb a 50% income tax over three years. But the truth of the matter is some of the stuff that's in surplus spending so-called surplus spending in the budget, really the state has been banking on to have the extra money to pay for it. Uh, so Senator Blair called, uh, called hijinks on that and said, look, we, we have to have some spending priorities if we are going to also embark on a tax cut. All right, let's so take, this is all a work in progress. Yeah, let, let's, let, right yeah, let, let's take a step back here because as, as eyes glaze over, is that where we are is there is this enormous surplus of probably currently, you know, 1.2 billion. It might be closer to 2 billion by the end of the fiscal year. Uh, The economy has been growing. Uh, You have the administration pushing for a tax cut of income tax rates of 50% over the next three years. You have the House approving it overwhelmingly. You have the Senate Republicans apparently not yet settled on a plan, so that's where the conflicts exist. And now you have the governor going on the road uh, starting tomorrow in Parkersburg. And this, I think, is significant, Brad, because the governor was very successful going out on the road with his revenue secretary, Dave Hardy, in arguing against Amendment 2. Amendment 2 would have changed the Constitution so that lawmakers could get rid of the property tax on vehicles and the property tax on machinery, equipment, inventory. So he had very effective persuasive powers during the election. 
It sounds like the governor is going to count on that again to go out and simply try to convince the public to get behind his plan and put pressure on the Senate. So that that sounds like, and we'll see, the governor has a presser at 1030. You're going to be staffing that. That sounds like what the governor uh, is going to rely on. Does that sound reasonable? If I were him and I wanted to embark on this kind of activity, my first stop would be Martinsburg. My second stop would be Hurricane and and on down the line. You know, I'm, I'm naming the hometown, so... Uh, some of the key senators. Yes, you are here. Um, you know, I, I think that is the goal. It is it is meant to generate public support for the tax plan. And, and what would that achieve? You, I think the, the hope is to get the public to write letters, to send emails, to call, uh, to to try to put pressure on these senators who uh, currently are not buying what the governor is selling. Whether yeah. it then backfires. And, and as Senator Blair said, well, I wasn't coerced. Will they view it as, as an overly aggressive pressure campaign that further isolates them from the governor? Could be. You know, the, the other thing is Blair is, is peeved that he says that the, the Senate has been locked out of the process to even come up with this bill. And I said, well, you've had these breakfast meetings. He said, yeah, two. And during one of them, the governor had COVID. So, you know, now the governor's going on the road as a visual but Blair esteemed that the governor and his staff, particularly the revenue folks, not meeting with them and involving them in a meaningful way, uh, you know, the, the two things kind of stand in opposition. Mm-hmm. I wonder, too, whether it'll be interesting to see how the governor presents the argument at these uh, public town hall meetings that he's going to do. Because, as you said, he was pretty reserved yesterday. During the Amendment 2, when he went out and argued against Amendment 2, he made some some uh, very pointed comments, uh, pejorative comments, about those who supported Amendment 2, members of, the leg- members of the state Senate, and that really, really upset them. So can the governor, can he do this in a way, and can he resist the temptation to uh, say to make personal attacks on Republican senators, because the more he does that, the harder it becomes for him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Agree or disagree? He made a clear effort yesterday to not go there, to not take that kind of bait. He said, specifically said, we've got to remain positive. Uh, we, We need to bring the Senate on board. But he wasn't insulting about it. We need to bring the Senate on board and we can all run across the finish line together. I mean, it was clearly top of mind for the opening shot to not be insulting, to not make pejorative remarks about the Senate. But as he goes out on the road, we'll see. The other thing that comes to mind to me is it's, it seems easier to me to, to play defense, to, to campaign against something than it is to, to be persuaded, persuasive, to play offense, to try to get people on board for something. I, I could be wrong, but it just seems like that, that is the case. Oh, okay, I, 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 I kind of agree, but but if my argument is I want to cut I want to cut your taxes in half, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I'll go with that argument as opposed to I don't want to cut your taxes in half. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll see how how this rolls out. Uh, Brad's report brought to you by AARP, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Connect with him on social media at AARPWV or learn more at AARP.org/wv. Brad, we'll have you back in the eleven o'clock hour to see what the governor says at ten thirty. Okay. Thanks, All right. Thank you. When we come back, campus carry up for approval in the Senate today. It will be approved. 
And we'll talk to a lawmaker who supports it when TalkLine continues from the Incova Insurance Studios. When kids are small, we tend to spend most of our time saying no instead of yes. As our parents and grandparents age, we sometimes say no to visits instead of yes. Life can be overwhelming, and sometimes it's nice to say yes to making memories and starting a future. The West Virginia Lottery has provided more than $11.9 billion in proceeds for education, seniors, veterans, and tourism. When you play, you say yes to West Virginia. Please play responsibly. People come here in search of answers. They come here for healing and to regain their quality of life. Here, we have healthcare professionals that provide extraordinary care and amazing results. Here is in West Virginia, where our hospitals are making discoveries, providing relief, and restoring your health. I am Dina Zirkel, a West Virginia nurse, and I invite you to learn more about your community hospitals. West Virginia Hospitals, defining resilience up to the challenge. A message from the West Virginia Hospital Association, online at wvha.org. This is TalkLine on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Hey everybody, it's Tony Caridi. And I'm Brad Howe. And that makes two of the three guys that bring you the podcast entitled Creatively Enough. Three guys before the game. It's our opportunity to really drill down on WVU football and basketball. We break down the opponent and then review every single game. We'll give you some numbers. We'll bicker back and forth. We'll take your calls, your texts, your tweets, and get into some of your questions. And we invite you to join us each and every episode. It's three guys before the game from Metro News. The Metro News website is your primary source for news and sports in the Mountain State. From breaking news to in-depth analysis, high school, Mountaineer, Marshall, and Mountainese conference coverage. News for hunters and fishermen on the outdoors page. And Hoppy Kirchival's daily commentary. Plus all your favorite shows. Sports Line, Talk Line, Hotline, the High School Sports Line, the Sunday Night Sports Line, West Virginia Outdoors, and more. All archived on the site and just a click away. Keep up with what's happening in our state at WVMetroNews.com. Hi, this is Travis Jones. Join me and Coach Greg Hunter every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 o'clock on the Metro News Radio Network for the CityNet Sunday night statewide sports line. We'll wrap up the week in sports in the Mountain State, talk about the Mountaineers, high school, and the Mountain East Conference. Plus, you can join the conversation on our toll-free line or on our text line at 304-TALK-304. Join us every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 p.m. on Metro News. It's the CityNet Sunday night statewide sports line. Hey there, Dave Weekly here. Metro News Hotline presents what's trending in sports, music, movies, tech, television, and more from a Mountain State point of view. Renowned local and national guests pepper the daily lineup with authoritative insights and commentary on a wide variety of topics from West Virginia high school sports to the financial markets. Join the fun. Every day, Coop and I dip into irreverent discussions with calls, texts, tweets, the question of the day, and the always popular in or out. Metro News Hotline, weekdays from 3 to 6 on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Talk Line with Hoppy Kirchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance, encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line from the Encova Insurance Studios. Jackpots are in the millions here in West Virginia. Who doesn't want to be a millionaire? Get into Powerball drawings Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, and the Mega Millions drawings on Tuesdays and Fridays. Will you be the next big winner play today? The Powerball jackpot is $526 million. The Mega Millions jackpot is 31 million dollars the senate goes in at 11 as does the house but in the senate today up for passage is 
uh, campus carry. The it's called the Campus Self Defense Act, and that would allow individuals who possess a concealed carry permit to have a pistol or handgun on college campuses in the state. There would be certain exceptions as to where those. Uh, uh, guns would be allowed. Mike Stewart is a Republican senator from Kanawha County. Joins us on Metro News Talk Line. Mike, good morning. You support this bill, right? Why? I do support it, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's the first time I've been on your show as a state senator, and I appreciate the, on this uh, non-controversial subject you oh, invited geez. me You on. kidding me? Uh, well, no. So listen, I do support it. I think it actually makes our campuses more safe. And for folks who say, "Wow, I don't want guns on my college campus," the reality is. That's what's happening today, and there's no parameters around it. What I like about this bill is it's not uh, constitutional carry. Nobody can carry openly. There are tough parameters around it. We do give a lot of discretion to the universities and colleges to deal with the limitations on this bill. But right now, there are no uh, parameters around uh, carrying on campus for somebody who would mean to do harm to folks on that campus. And so I like that uh, we're finally dealing with this. I think it's a reasonable measure. I do support it. Do you think it will lead to more guns on campus? Well, I think those guns are on campus right now. And I think, you know, the idea that uh, it has to be concealed carry, provisional permit for those 18 to 21, those over 21 still has to be concealed. Uh, I think it's important we call it campus self-defense. That's exactly what we mean by it. Uh, but for anybody who's concerned that at a WVU football game, Marshall football game, some big event, uh, at uh, uh, some other area, daycare, listen, these are off limits, and each university is going to be able to place restrictions on those things. Now, there's no requirement that a university allow guns in, but if, they're, if, if they are, if, if, uh, if they're not going to secure a building, or declared off limits through secured means, well, then they have to uh, allow students in, uh, understanding that they've gone through the proper training for concealed carry, and it is a self-defense measure. Here's the one thing I want to point out to folks, is that uh, as much as folks may say, gosh, here we have guns on campus, they're already here. And the other thing I'd point out is the highest areas of gun crime in the country are the areas with the strictest gun laws. And we've been fortunate in West Virginia. Uh, we have a lot of folks very, very responsible with their gun ownership. But certainly, we understand that on college campuses today, the idea that there aren't firearms, uh, that's a fallacy. Uh, that's just not true. Uh, Senator Mike Stewart is with his Republican Kanawha County and former federal prosecutor, by the way. Uh, what do you make of the fact, Mike, that, that at least, uh, I mean, three college presidents came out and wrote a letter that said they don't they object to it the presidents of marshall and wvu have come out and said they oppose the bill uh there have been faculty a faculty group came out at wvu they oppose it a student group so there, there is a lot of opposition on campus to this and those are the people who live there those people who work there so did that not resonate with you so it did resonate with me, and listen, I have great respect. We have tremendous presidents and leadership at our universities. Uh, gosh, you can't speak to anybody who has higher regard for all of them. Uh, but we represent the citizens of West Virginia, the citizens primarily who occupy uh, the seats at these universities. And uh, we think this is an important measure. We're certainly open to working with these presidents and leadership of these universities uh, to make sure that uh, we hear their concerns and work with them to make sure their facilities are secure. 
but what we think we've done here is make their facilities more secure. I wouldn't expect the leadership of any of these universities would say, hey, yeah, we want guns on our campus. And so I, th- I think that uh, they were doing exactly what we w- would expect. And as we move forward, and keep in mind this is an 18-month implementation process, it goes until July of 2024, so there's plenty of time to prepare. We're prepared to work with leadership to make sure that anything they need is in place. Uh, but we do believe this is the right step forward for West Virginia. And Campus Carry is up for a vote, final vote, third reading in the Senate today, and certainly it will pass overwhelmingly. Uh, I'm not sure how the Democrats will vote. There's only three, but uh, and there might be a Republican or two votes against it. I don't know, but it's going to pass overwhelmingly and then go over to the House. Hey, Mike, while I have you here, and I just talked to Brad McElhinney, and we were reporting that Governor Justice is going on the road to try to sell the uh, his tax plan that's been passed by the House to reduce personal income tax rates by 50%. Uh, we haven't seen a Senate plan yet. We know it's been talked about a lot in caucus, but wh- where are you on the, ta- on the tax plan? Do you support the governor's tax plan, or do you think the Senate's going to come out with its own plan that you'll support where are you as a senator on tax cutting well i'll say this i have great confidence in the leadership of the senate caucus but i also have great confidence in our governor and so ultimately at the end of the day i think we'll end up with a deal that is great for the people of west virginia and i think it will be a substantial tax cut and so i support tax cuts overwhelmingly i think it is one of the most paramount things we should be discussing i'd love to get it over Uh, sooner rather than later. I think an income tax cut is incredibly important, and I think it needs to be sizable and meaningful for the people of West Virginia uh, who are doing so well in terms of growing jobs. We're performing so much better. But I can tell you, West Virginians need help. And I think that uh, I can tell you, to to a person, state senators are with the people of West Virginia in terms of wanting tax cuts. We want to make sure we do so responsibly with no big challenges in the future. Do you and believe, let me ask you this, do you believe, the governor, the, do you believe the governor's plan is responsible? Can you support the governor's plan? So I think it's important we work together. And so keep in mind that uh, we've, we've got the House of Delegates and the State Senate, which is a co-equal branch of government. And so there ought to be a negotiation between the parties as to exactly the way this works. And I'm confident that process is working out. This whole process, you know, sort of making sausage doesn't look good until, it, until we're finished with it. I think the people of West Virginia will like where we end up here. Uh, but I don't want to curtail uh, any negotiations that are happening between our leadership. I have great confidence in them, great confidence in the House of uh, Delegates' leadership. And I think we end up in a pretty good place. But I think you're going to hear all sides sort of positioning their bill it makes sense they would do that but i think ultimately we'll all be on the same page all right senator mike stewart republican canal county uh mike good to talk to you thanks for coming on today i appreciate it thank you very much all right so campus carry uh, it's called actually called the campus i think uh, campus self-defense act up for third and final reading in the senate today it is unless there's some unforeseen event it will pass overwhelmingly this will allow for concealed carry on college campuses in West Virginia. Specifically, it prevents uh, colleges from it prevents colleges from preventing campus carry is what it does. Uh, but it does have carve outs for where places where campus carry would not be allowed on institutional grounds. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. It's 10.30. Let's get a news update. Check in with the Metro News Radio Network. Find out what's happening statewide this hour all across the great state of West Virginia. 
Metro News. I'm Carrie Hudasek. An investigation is underway after a shooting on the WVU campus in Morgantown. University police say one person was shot in the 500 block of Grant Avenue just before midnight. The victim suffered non-life-threatening injuries. It's unknown if they are a WVU student. The university issued an alert for the community to seek shelter and avoid the area. Police then issued the all-clear at 12:30 this morning. Police are now looking for a white Mercedes with tinted windows, possibly with a taillight out, and a man wearing a red hoodie, blue jeans, and tennis shoes. He was last seen running toward Beechhurst Avenue and 6th Street. Kanawha County Chief Deputy Joe Crawford says they want to know who killed a 63-year-old Malden man. But basically at this point, uh, we're wanting anyone that's had contact with Mr. Belcher in the last week, uh, week and a half, to contact us here at the Sheriff's Office. Eddie Belcher, an employee who worked in the State House of Delegates, was found dead in his home Wednesday night. His death was ruled a homicide, but deputies aren't revealing how he died. Huntington Mayor Steve Williams says he has his eyes on a Democratic run for governor. If I'm not going to be mayor, there's no other position to be, in my mind, than to be governor. Williams making those comments on Monday's Metro News talk line. Several Republican candidates like Kanawha County Delegate Moore Capito and Secretary of State Mac Warner have already announced their plans to run for governor. And Governor Jim Justice holds a media briefing this hour where he plans to make an announcement regarding the DHHR. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Hey, Chris Lawrence here, and we're in the home stretch of our Hoodoo Sports Trophy Photo Contest. All of you who've shared your pictures of your outdoor adventures, thank you. And we're still accepting them through the end of the month, and we have one more Hoodoo Sports prize pack for the month of January. And then in February, we pull for the grand prize, a Hoodoo Sports Fishing Kayak, winner pick from all pictures submitted. To submit your pictures, go to the Outdoors page of WBMatronews.com, click the contest icon on the right, and submit your pick, and then check out the full gallery. And don't forget, if it's a trophy to you, it's a trophy to us. Why should you use radio and digital advertising to grow your business? Did you know that 81% of consumers conduct online research before buying a product or service? In a recent study, radio drove 228% more search than TV in total and dollar for dollar. Why should you use both radio and digital marketing to grow your business? By combining radio with digital efforts, it's proven to drive a much higher return on your investment. After all, isn't that what you're looking for? Contact Metro News or this station to see how we can help you grow your business. Appalachian Power plans to do some upgrades to an aging set of transmission power lines in Logan County. AEP spokesman George Porter says they plan to hold an open house to talk about those plans tonight. Anytime we introduce a, a project, a transmission project in, in our territory, we always like to provide the community with an opportunity to come out and, and get more information. Company officials will be at Mann High School from 5 to 7 this evening. Construction will begin in fall 2025 and will take just over two years to complete. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Carrie Hudasek. Line on Metro News. Welcome back to the Incova Insurance Studios in the Dale Miller Building. Right now, several viruses are spreading in West Virginia, and our healthcare system is strained. Anyone who has not received a flu vaccine this season or who is due for a COVID 19 shot should get vaccinated now. Annual flu vaccinations and staying up to date on COVID shots that's the best way to reduce your chances of getting really sick or needing hospital care. To find flu and COVID shots near you, visit vaccines.gov. Again, that's vaccines.gov. Text Hoppy. 304-TALK-304. Text Hoppy, love your coverage of the legislature. Thank you. 
It seems ironic that President Blair and Senator Tarr are upset they've been left out of the governor's tax reduction plan when they've said for the last five months they don't plan to include the governor in their legislative plan this year since they have a supermajority. It seems like they forgot there are two houses to the legislature and that the House of Delegates may want to work with the governor more than the Senate on tax reduction. Well, there is quite a legislative kabuki dance going on now. And it feels like that, and again, this changes, and this is just an observation, that Senate Republicans are being backed into a corner here uh, because the House overwhelmingly passed the governor's bill, and now the governor's going on the road. And rather than, uh, I, I did check today, I don't think they're on a talk scheduled involving the governor's folks and Senate leaders. So the governor is going on the road to push his tax plan. And where I disagreed with Brad, yeah, like Amendment 2, it's sometimes easier to argue against something. But if you're going on the road saying, I want to cut your taxes by 50%, well, that's, that's something, that's, that's a good uh, argument to have to make. Uh, so this is the governor's strategy now. And it starts tomorrow with his uh, appearance in Parkersburg, Thursday in Beckley, Friday in Wheeling. There'll be more appearances next week. I've also invited the governor to come on, along with Revenue Secretary Dave Hardy, to come on this program next week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, for an entire hour and take your questions and comments via text about his tax plan. I will do same for the Senate Republican leaders, so they'll get the same opportunity as well, kind of like we did with Amendment 2. Hoppy, the governor is going to lose this battle. It will be the Senate plan or nothing, in my opinion. Hoppy, every NRA gun bill thinks more guns is more safety, and that's delusional. They are certifiably insane, says the texture. Hoppy, the West Virginia GOP would be wise to heed the warning of Delegate Larry Rowe about the failed tax experiment in Kansas. It was a well-intended elimination of their income tax that truly crippled their state budget within two years. If that happens in West Virginia, the supermajority won't last much longer. The, what the governor's people have said about their plan is that it is different from Kansas on a couple levels. One is I think that Kansas eliminated their income tax. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm not making the argument. I'm relaying to you what I believe that the governor's office has said that it, Kansas eliminated the income tax and that they excused something like all of the pass-throughs, uh, all the pass-through companies, the small businesses that filed their taxes as personal income tax, they, they excused them from paying any taxes. And then there were no accompanying budget cuts, which was supposed to happen as well. So they went upside down pretty quickly. It was, in fact, a failed experiment. Again, I'm not making the governor's argument. I'm relating to you what I think they're going to say about how this is supposed to be different from Kansas. Hoppy, does Mike Stewart have any research to back up the claim that campus will be safer? I am willing as a tax-paying citizen to hear any research. Also, it would seem that employees and parents need polled and to have input on this. Uh, I have, there were three college presidents that sent a letter to the governor, to legislators in opposition to 
this bill. They are uh, Eric Cage of West Virginia State University, Kendra Boggess of Concord, and Mary Hendricks of Shepherd. And I have reached out to all three over the last two days. Boggess, I know, is sick. And I've just been told that uh, Hendricks from Shepherd is not available and Cage from West Virginia State University is not available. Uh, so that's I, I have attempted through uh, to reach out to those individuals who seem to be most opposed to this legislation and have not been able to get them on. I did have on last week a WVU student body vice president who spoke out against the legislation. Happy January 24th, how many deaths by gun today? Just another day in the killing fields of America, says Bob. Happy the Republicans think they're solving a problem with campus carry, but they're not. The president, students, and parents don't want it, so go solve real issues, not created ones. This is going to pass, well, I say that. There's always something that can happen. It's a legislative process. It's uh, human beings, so something can happen. It certainly seems as though it's going to pass, and I guess the governor will sign it. Um, And even if he doesn't, there will probably be votes to override, and candidly, I'm not sure if there were if there was no NRA. I'm not sure. I guess there'd be a gun bill like this. I'm not sure. This is this is an NRA bill, and this is similar to a bill that has come up in other states and has passed in other states. And uh, West Virginia is a pro-gun state, and a lot of West Virginia lawmakers are NRA members or supported by the NRA, and they're not going to buck the NRA. And they may and look and they and also a number of them, I'm sure, like Mike Stewart, believe that this is better for campus safety. The other argument is by some of the realists in the legislature on this issue or from the college campuses is that it could be worse. Some of those who oppose this, some of those who some of those who oppose this believe it could be worse. By that I mean at least for those folks, at least there are twelve or thirteen exceptions of where campus carry would not be allowed on campus. And the argument is if the NRA wanted to, if the NRA really wanted to press the issue, it could probably pass a bill that would say campus carry, that would say concealed carry anywhere anytime, take it or leave it, then it might well pass. I'll be more guns are not the answer, and the numbers support that. If you believe in that theory, then make all drugs legal. These right-wing rednecks are literally killing West Virginia and its future, says the texture. Happy to the Senate and House support guns being carried in the Capitol building. There is a bill. I believe there is a bill that would allow that. And currently, let me think this through. Uh, currently, they're not allowed. And there is a metal detector to get into the building and a security checkpoint or checkpoints to get into the building. The bill, the last time I read it, the bill allows for on college campuses that if they want to prevent, I think I'm right about this, if that particular college wants to prevent any guns or any weapons in a particular building, it can if it sets up security measures like a metal detector. I think I'm right about that. 
the way I read the bill. So if you had, you know, take WVU's main hall, take Stuart Hall. And if you wanted to prevent any guns, I think this is correct. If you wanted to prevent any guns, campus, uh, uh, concealed carry or anything or any weapons from coming into the building, you could do that under this bill, but you would have to have like a metal detector or a wand or some sort of security that would, that would guarantee or certainly prevent guns from coming into the building. Hoppy asked Mike Stewart for definition of responsible gun owner and when can I carry my gun into his personal and legislative office, asked the texter. Hoppy, how about no more permissive gun laws until guns can be brought into the Capitol with our legislators? Uh, very rules for thee, but not for me vibes. Text Hoppy, Mike's a real man, allowing guns where children frequent, but not where lawmakers frequent grow up says the texter i would take a break and be back talk line continues you can text me at 304 talk 304 we'll return in just a moment you know as west virginians we are proud of the natural beauty of a mountain state and at zeomilm architects and engineers our goal is to provide design solutions that give people the same pride in our built environment that commitment to quality can be seen in higher education facilities throughout the state from the irma bird center in beaver to the southern west virginia community and technical college applied technology center and at the new testing Center for the West Virginia School of Osteopathic Medicine in Lewisburg. ZMM Architects and Engineers. You see us in your community every day. Hey, Chris Lawrence here, and we're in the home stretch of our Hoodoo Sports Trophy Photo Contest. All of you who've shared your pictures of your outdoor adventures, thank you. And we're still accepting them through the end of the month. And we have one more Hoodoo Sports Prize Pack for the month of January. And then in February, we pull for the grand prize, a Hoodoo Sports Fishing Kayak. Winner pick from all pictures submitted. To submit your pictures, go to the outdoors page of WVMatronews.com. Click the contest icon on the right and submit your pick, and then check out the full gallery. And don't forget, if it's a trophy to you, it's a trophy to us. Do you or a loved one live in a nursing home or other long-term care facility and want to return home? You can with the Take Me Home Transition Program. The Take Me Home Transition Program provides services and supports that can help you make a safe and successful transition home. To see if you qualify, visit tmhwv.org or call 1-855-519-7557 and start planning your transition home today. Visit tmhwv.org for more information. This ad is supported by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as part of a financial assistance award beginning in 2011 and totaling over $19 million with 92.4% funded by CMS HHS and 7.6% funded by the state of West Virginia totaling over $1.6 million. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views nor an endorsement by CMS HHS or the U.S. government. Did you know Greer Lime Company's products are used in a variety of environmental applications that impact your everyday life? For example, Greer's Quick Lime and Hydrated products are fundamental to the key processes in drinking water and wastewater treatment, and their high calcium limestone, quick lime, and hydrate products are used in the removal of acidic pollutants from power plant flue gases. Greer's products are also used in coal mines to treat acid mine drainage and as alkaline amendment. Learn more online at GreerLime.com. You're listening to Talkline on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. 
West Virginia Outdoors is the Mountain State's only hook and bullet radio show dedicated to the more than quarter million hunters and anglers across the state. Award-winning host Chris Lawrence has been tracking down hunting and fishing stories for more than 25 years. Fun fact about groundhogs that not a lot of people know is they actually go through hepatitis B, much like humans do. So they've actually been used as a role model for how hepatitis progresses through humans. Don't even act like you knew that. Whether it's hunting and fishing news or just compelling stories about the enjoyment of the great outdoors. He brought the dogs in the next day. That dog, as soon as it got out of the side side, it hit the nose on the ground. It pulled us. It took us straight through that deer. Show him point. Got a point. You got that one. West Virginia Outdoors covers it all. Saturday mornings at 7.06 a.m. And for your daily fix, Outdoors Today brings you two and a half minutes of news and notes from the woods and water every weekday morning on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Your source for news in the Mountain State is Metro News. Weekday mornings, start your day with the morning news. Three hours of the biggest stories across West Virginia, along with sports, weather, and more. Stay updated throughout the day with reports at half past each hour. And find all the info you need on your schedule at WVMetroNews.com. The news you want from the name you trust. Metro News, for 36 years, the voice of West Virginia. Hi, this is Travis Jones. Join me and Coach Greg Hunter every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 o'clock on the Metro News Radio Network for the CityNet Sunday night statewide sports line. We'll wrap up the week in sports in the Mountain State, talk about the Mountaineers, high school, and the Mountain East Conference. Plus, you can join the conversation on our toll-free line or on our text line at 304-TALK-304. Join us every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 p.m. on Metro News. It's the CityNet Sunday night statewide sports line. News Talk Line with Hoppy Kirchable is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line from the Encova Insurance Studios. One of the offshoots of the opioid crisis, which is not talked about very much, but I do hear from some of you occasionally on this, is that uh, when the medical community finally tightened up dramatically on prescriptions for painkillers, people with legitimate chronic pain found it even more difficult to get relief. Uh, and I know there's an addiction issue. I get that. We talk about that endlessly. But there, obviously there is chronic pain and there is legitimate need for uh, pain medication. Joining us on Metro News Talk Line is uh, Dr. Paul Christo. He's director of the Multidisciplinary Pain Fellowship Program at Johns Hopkins Hospital and author of Aches and Gains, A Comprehensive Guide to Overcoming Your Pain. Uh, doctor, I, I know this is not a group that everybody's terribly sympathetic to because everybody in West Virginia, frankly, is worried about the opioid crisis. But can you speak to the issue that I just laid out, the people who have chronic pain who now have a lot of difficulty in getting relief? It's absolutely true, unfortunately. And remember, we have about 100 million Americans who suffer from chronic pain in this country, most of which is untreated and undertreated and has led to a significant public health problem. Opioids are just one tool that we have as pain specialists to, to treat pain and to make it bearable. Over the last several years, unfortunately, there's been a lot of pressure on us to you know, avoid opioids because right. of some of the dangers, and there's no question, you know, there are, there are dangers related to opioids. But as you mentioned, it has led to actually increased pain and suffering, I think. 
So what do you do? What do these folks do? I mean, we have, look, in West Virginia, we have a lot of people who've had industrial accidents, who've worked physically all their lives. They have chronic pain. What are they supposed to do? I think the first thing would be to see a pain specialist. Uh, you know, go to the primary care doctor first. If you don't know of a pain specialist, he or she can refer you to one because we really have a whole arsenal of treatments that are available. For example, you know, we have non-opioid medications that can be useful for pain. We have a whole host of injections, <clears throat> nerve blocks, for example, even neurostimulation therapies that can reduce pain, and then integrative therapies like acupuncture. Is there such a thing, because we focus so much in West Virginia on the opioid crisis, on addiction, uh, is there such a thing as responsible use of some of these powerful painkillers for individuals, or are, are you really, if you, if you are using these painkillers regularly, are you really tempting addiction? I think there is responsible use, and certainly I've seen that over 20 years of practicing pain medicine. Uh, you know, we take precautions for patients in whom we prescribe opioids, but for the most part, in my experience, most patients who have chronic pain have used opioids responsibly. But in the late 1990s, what we saw was an increase in the prescription of opioids for patients who had chronic pain when probably they didn't need opioids. You know, so there are a lot of primary care doctors that started using opioids as a frontline agent. That led to overdoses and death. Pain specialists typically don't do that, though. What is your thought about where we are now? We're, we're in what has been described as phase three. I mean, phase one, uh, according to the Centers of Disease Control, was uh, prescription opioids. Phase two, when when uh, the medical community tightened up, then it was heroin. Now we're in this surge of synthetic opioids uh, and, and fentanyl. And in West Virginia, uh, we have been warned by health and by law enforcement officials if you buy a pill on the street, if it's not coming from a pharmacist, even if it looks like a pain pill, looks like a legitimate pain pill, in all likelihood, it has fentanyl in it. And it could be deadly. Your thought? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely could be deadly. And what we're seeing now is really not a prescription opioid crisis. It's really, you know, a synthetic fentanyl crisis related to people who are buying these drugs on the street. And absolutely true. You know, if you're buying cocaine, if you're buying heroin, uh, maybe an oxycodone tablet, it could be laced with fentanyl, and it's extremely dangerous. I mean, fentanyl is 80 to 100 times more potent than morphine, so you can see how easily it can lead to death. How do we get out of this? Well, uh, I think, first of all, we need uh, more stringent law enforcement at the border because uh, we're certainly seeing a lot of opioid, specifically you know, fentanyl, synthetic mm -hmm. fentanyl, transported across the border from Mexico to California, Mexico to Arizona, other states as well. Uh, but, and then beyond that, I think we need um, actually greater education, even, and awareness uh, among adolescents. A lot of people, say between the ages of 13 to 25, are using this drug, uh, either knowingly or unknowingly. And I think they need to really understand how powerful it is and what they can do to avoid it. Dr. Paul Christo, who is director of the Multidisciplinary Pain Fellowship Program at Johns Hopkins Hospital. A doctor, good to speak with you. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Thank you very much. Talk line continues. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Do you or a loved one live in a nursing home or other long-term care facility and want to return home? You can with the Take Me Home Transition Program. The Take Me Home Transition Program provides services and supports that can help you make a safe and successful transition home. To see if you qualify, visit tmhwv.org or call 1-855-519-7557 and start planning your transition home today. Visit tmhwv.org for more information. 
This ad is supported by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as part of a financial assistance award beginning in 2011 and totaling over $19 million with 92.4% funded by CMS HHS and 7.6% funded by the state of West Virginia totaling over $1.6 million. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views nor an endorsement by CMS, HHS, or the U.S. government. People come here in search of answers. They come here for healing and to regain their quality of life. Here, we have healthcare professionals that provide extraordinary care and amazing results. Here is in West Virginia, where our hospitals are making discoveries, providing relief, and restoring your health. I am Dina Zirkel, a West Virginia nurse, and I invite you to learn more about your community hospitals. West Virginia Hospitals, defining resilience up to the challenge. A message from the West Virginia Hospital Association, online at wvha.org. We are there for you, to care for you at the health plan. We are here for you. At the Health Plan, we are here for you, and we have been one of the most trusted carriers for over 40 years. Headquartered right here in West Virginia, providing exceptional health coverage and local customer service. The Health Plan, we are here for you. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. This morning, the biggest stories from around the state of West Virginia. When you want them. Brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Chris Lawrence at the Anchor Desk. We're ready to get your day started in West Virginia with all the information you need. Carrie Hudasek brings you the day's headlines. Canal County deputies are investigating a weekend shooting that left a 20-year-old woman injured in St. Albans. It happened Saturday night in the 700 block of High Street. The woman was shot in the leg. Deputies say the shooter stayed on scene and it is believed to be accidental. Kyle Wiggs at the sports desk. The conference title games on Sunday, 13 and 4 San Francisco at 14 and 3 Philadelphia at 3 o'clock, 12 and 4 Cincinnati at 14 and 3 Kansas City at 6.30. Another two-game week for the Mountaineers who fell at home to number 7 Texas Saturday. Mountaineers are 1 and 6 in the Big 12. And Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary. Metro News This Morning, brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Listen where you get your favorite podcasts and online at wvmetronews.com. Weekdays at 3 on Hotline, we talk about what you're talking about in sports, popular culture, tech, and more. We pepper our daily lineup with renowned local and national guests with authoritative perspectives on a wide variety of topics from high school sports to Hollywood and the financial markets. Every day, Coop and I have irreverent discussions with you using texts and tweets, plus our exclusive content like the question of the day in or out in Beer Friday. Metro News Hotline, weekdays on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. This Saturday and every Saturday throughout the high school basketball season, Metro News brings you the High School Basketball Roundup, a weekly update of high school teams across the Mountain State featuring scores, rankings, and in-depth features by Kyle Wiggs, Joe Bricado, and Taylor Kennedy. Join host Fred Persinger for the latest high school basketball news this Saturday morning on the High School Basketball Roundup from the voice of high school sports in West Virginia, the Metro News Radio Network. Network. Talk line on Metro News from the COVID Insurance Studios in the Dale Miller Building. Text 304-TALK-304. 
Text, campus carries a bad idea, Texter says. It is a permission that need not be given to students who are in the most, uh, in a period of figuring out their lives. Where's the data showing it's already happening and how do you enforce the no carry zones? A couple of points. I don't know. It's probably, I don't know how you enforce that. I mean, it's implied, I would imagine. Uh, where you say these places you're not allowed to bring any weapons into. I, I don't know if there would actually be literal enforcement. Maybe there would be in certain circumstances. I'm not sure. Uh, in terms of the students, uh, right now, in order to get a concealed carry, you need to be 21, pass a background check, and go through the training. Although there is, uh, you, you can get a provisional if you're 18 to 21. I, just, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many students are going to go through that process. I don't know. I, I don't know how many people on campus now are concealed carry anyway, even though it would be prohibited. It's just, it, it's probably unknowable because you would be today, if you were concealed carry on the WVU campus, you would be in violation of campus rules right, is my understanding, just like you would be with constitutional carry, I think. So you're not going to get anybody to say it'd be difficult to gather the date of how many people are now um, concealed carry on campus. Text Hoppy. Campus carry is a challenging bill to be passed, but students should have the right to protect themselves if the university cannot guarantee their safety. After several mass shootings, I don't think universities can give that assurance. There could be a reduction in other crimes as well, says the texture. All right, uh, got to run, and we'll be back here in six minutes uh, here on Metro News Talk Line, so we'll regroup here at 11.06. This is Talk Line on Metro News. Metro News is the voice of West Virginia. Welcome back. Hour number two of Talk Line on the Metro News Radio Network. Text 304-TALK-304. Hoppy, I don't like the governor, but I love his taxes plan. The Senate needs to get on board, says the texture. All right. Uh, speaking of taxes, and again, real quick, I won't go through the whole thing again, but the governor wants to cut taxes by tax rates uh, by 50%, cut them in half over three years, 30%, then 10%, and 10%, so that all the rates... Uh, from 6.5% down to, I think, it's 3%, uh, they would all be cut in half uh, over the next three years. And uh, in addition, uh, well, that that's primarily what he's doing, and the House has passed that with all but two votes in favor of it. Uh, the Senate, not so much on board, and they're talking about their own plan, but they haven't come out with it yet. Now the governor's going to go on the road and pitch his tax plan. Let me bring in Jason Huffman with Americans for Prosperity. That's a, a conservative libertarian slash a political advocacy group uh, here in West Virginia. Jason, good morning. Good to talk to you. How are you, sir? Doing well, Hoppy. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Do you like the governor's plan? We love it. We actually key voted it in the House of Delegates and uh, actually laud the House for, for getting that done. Uh, but, you know, it's a little like Groundhog Day, right? We've got the House, the Senate,
Senate, the governor. Everybody's talking about tax reform, but we, we can't figure out quite how to get there. Yeah, that that is true, and I'll get to that. What do you like? What what does your organization like about the plan? I mean, there are a lot of things you could do with tax reduction. What in particular do you like about this? Well, you know, I think in, as tax the tax foundation helpfully pointed out yesterday, there are only two states that levy an income tax that have not provided any meaningful tax relief to their citizens since 2021. That's Michigan and West Virginia, um, and we're already an outlier, right? We have the 17th highest top marginal rate in the country, the 14th highest second top marginal rate in the country. Every other state surrounding us pays less in income tax. We're just not competitive. And that's getting worse every 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 session that passes. Um, you know, states across the country are lowering tax rates, so we're becoming even more of an outlier. Um, and we've got to remedy that, right? If, if the goal is to bring people to the state, incentivize folks to make this the place they want to live, work, and, and raise their family, we have got to lower tax rates. It's a, it's a tried and true methodology uh, to, to grow the economy and grow your population. Jason Huffman is with us with Americans for Prosperity, West Virginia, an organization, a conservative libertarian political organization. They support the governor's tax plan. Why not, though? Look, it, there is, the, the property tax on machinery equipment inventory is an anti-business tax. The, the property tax, personal property tax on vehicles is an annual tax that people absolutely hate. And they wonder why. Why do I have to pay this tax again on vehicles? Those, those are... Those are bad taxes. I mean, people are going to tax and say, well, there's no good taxes, but we have to pay some taxes. Why not Why not uh, get with the Senate on what at least they're talking about they would like to do and deal with those taxes? Well, you know, Hobby, during the, uh, during the amendment process that was on the ballot this November, uh, we actually went out and talked to folks all across the idea uh, of adding the constitutional authority for lawmakers to be able to lower those taxes. And guess what? We got whooped. We got whooped bad. Um, and, you know, you at some point, got to be man enough to just say, hey, we lost that one. Let's move on, right? And so the opportunity in front of us right now is the income tax because, you know, let's say we go with some sort of rebate package, right, that I think has been discussed somewhat right. by the Senate. It, it's, it's, it's been tried in other states. It doesn't work that well. You know, you have to grow government, frankly, to afford the uh, personnel to sort of divvy up the rebates as they come in. And what I'm concerned with is maybe the counties look around and say, hey, we could hold our taxpayers harmless because the state's going to pay them back. Well, maybe we should up appraisals a little bit. And so it, it just not is it, it's not really a functioning um, tax reform that's impactful. It's not transformational. We're not for it. We're not against it. Um, but we think it detracts from the opportunity at hand, which is a significant historic once in a generation cut to the income tax. Let's talk about po the politics of this for a minute. We've laid out many, many times what the scenarios are. The governor has, you know, his plan of cutting the income tax rates in half. The House passed it overwhelmingly, only two no votes. Uh, the Senate has a different different view of what it wants to do, although it hasn't come out formally with its plan. A lot of different things have uh, that are sort of being talked about. And uh, now it looks like there are no discussions going on involving the Justice Administration and the Senate and the governor's going on the road to pitch his tax plan. So politically, logistically, where does this all lead in your opinion? Well, you know, for decades, lawmakers have promised to, to actually. And, you know, while they've passed a whole lot of positive reforms in other areas, they just have not made good on that promise yet. And the state is in such a strong financial position right now that it's the best opportunity we've seen in, in a generation to go after big, bold tax cuts. And so I get it. Uh, I've seen this before where, you know, the wheels fall off the wagon, as it were, with regards to negotiations between the House and the Senate and the governor. 
And really, I think our message to lawmakers has been clear. What we cannot afford as a state is for negotiations to break down as they have in the past and, and you know, leave taxpayers with no relief in sight. That's just not acceptable given the opportunity that that is at hand. So you don't care how they get there. You just want them to get there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the time is now. Listen, they, they have made this promise before. Uh, it's one that we feel like they need to keep. Uh, voters have sent Republicans a super-duper majority hoppy, and, and what they're signaling with that is stop tinkering around the margins and get something big and bold done for the people of the state. And really, we think the biggest opportunity for transformation for West Virginia in this session is a, a big cut to the personal income tax. Do you, do you, have no, do you, do you not believe... Let me rephrase that. Isn't there a legitimate concern that right now there is this huge surplus, this historic surplus, which has to do with the state holding a line on spending uh, for the last several years, which has to do with the historic rise in the price for coal and natural gas, although natural gas is is uh, trending downward somewhat now. It has to do with all this federal money uh, pouring into the state. We've never seen a time like this. So on one hand, one can reasonably argue now is a good time to cut taxes, but you're also talking about then a decline in the revenue that would be coming into the state. Starting with next fiscal year, there'd be a decline of $1.2 billion in a budget where the general revenue budget's about $4.6, billion, $4.7 Isn't there a legitimate concern that the state will then have difficulty meeting its obligations going forward. Well, okay, two things on that. Yep. One, you know, Revenue Secretary Hardy basically said under oath that even assuming for no growth, uh, they're convinced that the state could afford this tax cut sustainably. Um, and I think, you know, dumping a billion dollars into the hands of taxpayers, putting money back in their pockets, assuming for no growth is just unrealistic, right? So we're, we're definitely going to get some growth out of that. Um, two, you know, when it comes to funding genuine priorities of government, they exist. Obviously, there's things that government needs to do, roads, infrastructure, um, providing a social safety net for the truly vulnerable. Like, those are things government should be prioritizing. And if we want to get out of this boom-bust cycle that we have from being an extraction state historically, we have to grow our tax base. And that means that we have to be competitive. And in order to do that, we've got to cut the income tax and become competitive Probably, uh, I always say to lawmakers in these conversations, we can't be as good as other states. We have to surpass what other states have done in terms of the level of freedom and opportunity that we're providing folks. And again, this is a, this is a surefire method to get there. As we've seen all these states that have cut their rates, uh, people are moving it. You know, four out of the 25 tax states have seen a migration. Uh, meanwhile, you know, the states that have no income tax have grown at double the rate. And so we want to mirror that effect. Uh, we know it's a policy that will work, and we just have to get there um, this session. Uh, Jason Huffman with Americans for Prosperity, West Virginia, a libertarian conservative political political advocacy group. He's at the Capitol, uh, continues to lobby in support of the tax reductions. Jason, good to speak with you. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, Hoppy. All right. Talk line continues. We'll be right back. It's flu season. With COVID-19 affecting our communities, don't forget to also arm yourself against the flu. Get your flu shot at Fruit Pharmacy today. COVID vaccines and testing are available, free with most insurances. No appointments needed. Be prepared for the flu season with over-the-counter medications, vitamins, cough drops, tissues, and more. Order online at fruitpharmacy.com. For curbside pickup or local delivery, Fruit, your local hometown family pharmacy. 
WVU Medicine Dermatology offers comprehensive services for adults and children. Our board-certified dermatologists treat a variety of skin conditions, from acne to complicated skin cancers. We also provide several cosmetic dermatology procedures. Our goal is to provide every patient with the best possible care using state-of-the-art diagnostic procedures. Self-schedule online at mywvuchart.com or call 855-WVU-CARE. Do you or a loved one live in a nursing home or other long-term care facility and want to return home? You can with the Take Me Home Transition Program. The Take Me Home Transition Program provides services and supports that can help you make a safe and successful transition home. To see if you qualify, visit tmhwv.org or call 1-855-519-7557 and start planning your transition home today. Visit tmhwv.org for more information. This ad is supported by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as part of a financial assistance award beginning in 2011 and totaling over $19 million with 92.4% funded by CMS HHS and 7.6% funded by the state of West Virginia totaling over $1.6 million. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views nor an endorsement by CMS HHS or the U.S. government. With the passing of the bomb cyclone during Christmas, there were widespread electric outages across the country and repeated calls from power companies to conserve energy. Energy regulators have been warning grid operators and the Biden administration that we're removing too much coal and base load generation from our nation's power grid. Fortunately, here in West Virginia, with our vast coal reserves and eight modern coal-fired power plants, we enjoy the most secure and safe electric system that exists anywhere in the world. Unlike other places that rely on higher percentage of renewables and expensive natural gas. West Virginians can rest in the comfort of our warm homes as our iPhones, computers, and even electric vehicles remain fully charged. West Virginia Coal has been called upon time and time again to respond to national crises. Looking forward, if our surrounding states experience rolling blackouts or power shortages, West Virginia will be on standby to send emergency rations of coal by wire to keep them warm and safe. Thank goodness for West Virginia Coal. This message brought to you by the Friends of Coal. You're listening to Talkline on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. West Virginia Outdoors is the Mountain State's only hook and bullet radio show dedicated to the more than quarter million hunters and anglers across the state. Award-winning host Chris Lawrence has been tracking down hunting and fishing stories for more than 25 years. Fun fact about groundhogs that not a lot of people know is they actually go through hepatitis B, much like humans do. So they've actually been used as a role model for how hepatitis progresses through humans. Don't even act like you knew that. Whether it's hunting and fishing news or just compelling stories about the enjoyment of the great outdoors. He brought the dogs in the next day. That dog, as soon as it got out of the side side, it hit the nose on the ground. It pulled us. It took us straight through that deer. Show him point. Got a point. You got that one. West Virginia Outdoors covers it all. Saturday mornings at 7.06 a.m. And for your daily fix, Outdoors Today brings you two and a half minutes of news and notes from the woods and water every weekday morning on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. 
Your source for news in the Mountain State is Metro News. Weekday mornings, start your day with the morning news. Three hours of the biggest stories across West Virginia, along with sports, weather, and more. Stay updated throughout the day with reports at half past each hour. And find all the info you need on your schedule at wvmetronews.com. The news you want from the name you trust. Metro News, for 36 years, the voice of West Virginia. Hi, this is Travis Jones. Join me and Coach Greg Hunter every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 o'clock on the Metro News Radio Network for the CityNet Sunday Night Statewide Sports Line. We'll wrap up the week in sports in the Mountain State, talk about the Mountaineers, high school, and the Mountain East Conference. Plus, you can join the conversation on our toll-free line or on our text line at 304-TALK-304. Join us every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 p.m. on Metro News. It's the CityNet Sunday Night Statewide Sports Line. News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Talk Line from the Encova Insurance Studios in the Dale Miller Building. Text 304-TALK-304. Hoppy, it's better to have a gun and not need it than to need a gun and not have it, says the texter. And also, texter says, what are these kids supposed to do? Throw a book at an active shooter? All right, let me go to Brad McElhinney because, yes, McElhinney was on earlier, but this is a, uh, he's up to bat again because the governor had a press briefing at 1030 and we expected he was going to deal with two things. One is uh, probably announcing his uh, road trips starting with Parkersburg tomorrow and then Beckley on Thursday and Wheeling on Friday to push for his tax cut plan, then maybe also uh, where he was on dividing up DHHR. So, McElhinney joins us, and Brad, by all means, get us up to speed. You, you are correct on both of those things. Yes. The governor did confirm town hall meetings around the state beginning Parkersburg tomorrow, then Beckley on Thursday, and Wheeling on Friday. Uh, he says, I'm going to be as positive as positive can be, uh, meaning, as in his words, he does not want to throw rocks at senators. Uh, he characterizes the progress legislatively on the tax cut as two-thirds of the way there, meaning himself and the House, and he expresses optimism that the Senate will be on board. So the governor inviting residents of those communities to come see him present the tax proposal. No word on whether the dog will be there. And, you know, as a, as a political side item, you know, I, I believe that the governor stands behind this policy proposal but if you were someone considering a run for U.S. Senate, going to communities around the state to promote a potential tax cut, not a bad way to get a jump on that. Well, in fairness to the governor, he has in one form or another, except for the first year when he proposed a tax increase, uh, he's been trying to cut taxes in one form or another. I, I've run out. I've forgotten how many different ways he's tried to cut taxes uh, largely unsuccessfully, unless I'm missing something. So I, I do believe that he wants to, I think it's real, his desire to cut taxes. But as you said, yeah, uh, if you're probably going to run for the U.S. Senate, then traveling around the state, talking about cutting income taxes in half, yeah, that's a good campaign swing. Uh, we can, I mean, as I like to say, both things can be true. Both things can be true. Were there any follow-up? So also, so he made a point himself 
or was it prompting that he was going to try to keep it uh, on a higher level and not and not be critical, specifically critical of senators? That was that was his description. I mean, he he knows they are in the end the target audience, and said we're two thirds of the way there. Uh, the Senate can join with us and run through the tape together. But that was that was him. Top of mind. Okay. Now, what about DHHR? Well, you mentioned the bill to split DHHR into three, and the governor addressed that. He said, well, if it's a slap at me, and I'm a big boy, I can take it. But if it's meant to improve DHHR's uh, performance and its responsiveness, and, and he says he believes that's where legislators' interests truly lie, then he is okay with it. But he did announce... Um, a separate set of what he characterizes uh, as, as moves to strengthen the agency's performance. Uh, the headliners of those are increasing salary by 20% for three categories of social services workers, um, and then a, a bonus for longer-serving uh, employees, some longer-serving employees of DHHR. Uh, this was a fairly detailed announcement. The governor put out a press release about it. Jeffrey Coburn, the acting DHHR director, uh, addressed these various bullet points as well. Uh, but but that's, that's the headline is a salary, a significant salary increase for these priority positions of several categories of social service. Do you know what they are? Uh, probably Child Protective Services would be one, right? Child Protective Services is one. Adult Protective Services is another. And Youth Services is the third. Okay. Okay. And these are areas where they've had trouble. West Virginia, West Virginia's had issues. Uh, also problems uh, attracting and keeping people. So you have a, a proposed 20% increase in their pay as well as a, a, a retention bonus or people stay, you know, longevity bonus, right? Yes. Um, so it, it, it was pretty detailed, and I maybe need to go back and take a look at the specifics. Yeah. But there was uh, a retention bonus for some, some longer-term employees who the governor defined by their specific years of service. So I, I don't want my vagueness to make everybody think they're in line for a retention bonus. Uh, it, it was fairly specific. Uh, but but defined by the number of years of service. There were also several other points uh, that Coben alluded to, uh, potentially a few million dollars in uh, trying to improve various aspects of DHHR. Uh, one takeaway is that the governor says he doesn't need to ask the legislature for extra money to do this, but the money already is available within DHHR. Uh, the, the question I asked internally, I, I did not pose it to the governor, because I had to drift away from the briefing. But the question I had was, well, you know, if this money was already there, what was going untended to? Uh, or, you know, was it money the state didn't need in the first place? You know, if, if you're critical of state government spending, that might be your question. Why does, why does DHHR have this money and doing nothing with it? Yeah, okay. Uh, Brad McElney reporting. Uh, thank you, Brad. Appreciate it getting us caught up. So the governor uh, announcing some... Significant increases for certain classes of employees at DHHR and also uh, confirming what we had reported that he's going to go on the road in support of the 50% tax cut. 
Brad's Report is brought to you by AARP, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Connect with them on social media at AARPWV or learn more at aarp.org WV. Tech's top center Stewart has really tapped into the quick scheme. Tax cuts are the most paramount issue. And once West Virginia passes them, will be number one in education, healthcare, economic development, clean and running water, personnel staffing, everything else will be good. Stewart definitely doesn't have any worries about unfunded liabilities and certainly isn't banking on unusually high fossil fuel excess taxes continuing forever. Okay, that's a tongue-in-cheek or a sarcastic text, which is part of what this debate is about, is that you're going to cut taxes possibly, very significantly, very significantly. And that's going to mean for West Virginians going forward, if it passes, uh, in the next couple of years, well, next going forward, another $1.2, $1.5 billion in the pockets of West Virginians and small businesses who file their taxes um, as, uh, as pass-throughs. So that's a lot of money that people are going to get to keep. Now, at issue is, what about the stuff he just mentioned? or she, whoever sent the text, what about the other stuff? What about roads and bridges? What about PEIA? Uh, what about teacher salaries? What about education? What about the $100 million that the House wants to spend on uh, hiring aides and uh, a pair of professionals to help teachers? So all these things are converging right now in this whole tax debate. Text topic, California has some of the strictest gun laws in the United States, and we've seen 18 people murdered in the last 48 hours and uh, tell me how California gun laws work. Hoppy, I carried all through nursing school. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, I, I suspect, I mean, it, it's reasonable to believe in a state like West Virginia, where gun ownership is very, very high, it's reasonable to believe that many individuals are going on college campuses for classes, uh, as staff, as professors, as graduate students, whatever, and they are concealed carry right now, which would be prohibited. But, but they're doing it, to, you know. Anyway, I mean, I, what's that number? And there's no I, no idea. There's no way to know. But it is logical to think that is happening now. Just as the texture said, we'll take a break and be back. Talk line continues on Metro News. Metro News is the voice of West Virginia. It's 1130. Let's get a news update. Check in with the Metro News Radio Network. Find out what's happening statewide this hour all across the great state of West Virginia. West Virginia Metro News. I'm Chris Lawrence. There's an appetite for cutting taxes at the state house this year, but nobody seems to be able to find common ground on how to do it. House has already passed Governor Jim Justice's proposal to cut the state income tax by 50% over three years. The governor lauded that as the best approach during a town hall meeting on Monday and suggested the opportunity not be squandered. We want to stay real positive. Let's, let's just do one thing, please, to God above. Let's quit absolutely just, you know, throwing mud at each other for the sake of throwing mud at each other. It's high time. This is our moment in West Virginia. We don't need to screw it up. However, the plan has been declared by Senate leaders down on arrival in their chamber. Senate President Craig Blair said the plan is not fiscally sound, but that the Senate is working on an alternative that would do the same thing and be affordable. The reason you haven't heard the Senate plan is because we're bringing in tax experts. We're bringing in people and asking the questions. 
for God's sake, Ross Sobel is going to be here next uh, Monday. Blair says the communication between the administration and Senate leaders on the budget and tax cut plan has been minimal. Senate floor session gaveling to order this hour and the controversial campus carry legislation up for passage. Senate Bill 10, known as the Campus Self-Defense Act, would allow for those with a concealed carry permit to pack guns on college and university campus buildings in West Virginia with a few rare exceptions. That's drawn the fire of many college and university administrators. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Did you know Greer Lime Company's products are used in a variety of environmental applications that impact your everyday life? For example, Greer's Quick Lime and Hydrated products are fundamental to the key processes in drinking water and wastewater treatment, and their high calcium limestone, Quick Lime, and Hydrate products are used in the removal of acidic pollutants from power plant flue gases. Greer's products are also used in coal mines to treat acid mine drainage and as alkaline amendment. Learn more online at GreerLime.com. Attention high school basketball fans. If you want to see where your team ranks every week, check out the Thornhill Auto Group Power Index at WVMetroNews.com. Each week, Metro News will update the Power Index for all four classes. To find out where your favorite team ranks, simply go to WVMetroNews.com. Click on the High School Sports tab and then the Power Index. The Metro News Power Index is presented by Thornhill Auto Group. The road to total savings starts with Thornhill. Visit them on the Thornhill Motor Mile. An historic flight aboard a C-130 out of McLaughlin Air Guard Base in Charleston back on Friday. The 130th Airlift Wing of the West Virginia Air Guard had a crew at the controls that was the first all-female flight crew in the history of the West Virginia Air National Guard. They were engaged in taking the C-130 J-Class Super Hercules to the sky for an aeromedical evacuation drill. Lieutenant Colonel Kristen Hochul and Major Kelly Ferris piloted the route from Charleston to Key West, Florida and back. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Chris Lawrence. Talk line from me in Coventure Studios. Uh, every morning on the way to work, I catch uh, Chris Lawrence in uh, Outdoors Today at 635. That's where I get my outdoors news, plus his postings on our website at wvmetronews.com. So I've been interested in his reports on stocking, and I, I don't know how this got by me. I, I was not aware that we did winter trout stocking in West Virginia, but we do. And Chris joins us from the Charleston Studios. Chris, good morning. What's going on with stocking right now? Good morning, Hobby. It's really not winter stocking. It's just spring stocking that uh, starts on the first of the year. That's the way it works every year. The Yeah, yeah I guess you could technically call it winter stocking. What well, is winter? They have a couple. They, they try to do a couple of them in all the waters that are identified for the biannual water. And what that means is they'll get a stocking in January and then one in uh, either February or March, and a lot of times that what they're able to do in these very early stockings in the winter months is they can, uh, instead of the people having to go over to the trout, the trout can go to the people. What do you mean? Well, the uh, the western impoundments, uh, places like uh, Crodell Lake or Rollins Lake or Hurricane Reservoir or uh, Barbersville Lake, places like that, they're, they're able to take those fish from the hatcheries to the west and deposit them at this time of year because the water's cold enough to support trout, and that gives some folks an opportunity to trout fish without having to drive all the way to Randolph or uh, Pocahontas County to uh, to do their trout fishing. Now, they'll do that in January, February, March, but after March, the water gets too warm, so they can't do that, and that's when the more traditional waters and the uh, higher elevations will be stocked. But those are stocked through uh, the uh, January, February uh, time frame as well. 
a lot of times they look for an opportunity to get up to places like Spruce Knob or Williams River or the uh, Cranberry because at this time of year, obviously, access to those is limited by the snowfall and the weather. And so to take that big two-ton truck full of water up there is a challenge, and you yeah. get a couple of warm days when it's uh, when there's no ice on the road, and you go, yeah, we're heading up there today. So I and would then say people are already fi- yeah. and then people are already fishing. Even oh, in this oh, weather, yeah. You right? fish year-round. There is no fishing season. There's you can no, fish okay. year-round. But what, what happens is that they it typically does, you do not get a lot of pressure in those places uh, because it, it is rather uncomfortable. But they will bite, and you can and they're slow, but they will bite. And if you are willing to, to brave it, uh, you might find yourself some success. And plus, by the t- if you put those fish in there now in, in some of those high higher elevations, they're still going to be there because the water quality is cold enough that – They'll last all the way through up into the spring and, in some cases, all year long up there. Really? And those they've been in there for two or three months before the weather breaks. Well, those basically have acclimated to the wild, and they're they're in in in, in some cases just wild trout at that point. Uh, so, do they? How hard is it for the trout to acclimate? Or you dump them in there and they're fine. They're fine, but you have to consider the fact that it's pretty cold water, and they're a cold-blooded species. They've gone through a lot of stress because you've hauled them from the hatchery up yeah. to the creek. So they they may or may not bite immediately. In some cases, they will. In some cases, they won't. It'll take them three or four days to you know, finally settle down and be ready to eat again. Um, so water temperature has a lot to do with it. The stress of the trip has a lot to do with it. Uh, but you know, they're all different and some will bite immediately. Some won't. Uh, Chris Lawrence is with us. So when you're fishing and this, obviously you can tell I'm not a fisherman, <laughs> uh, w- when you're fishing and you, you catch a trout, can you tell whether it's a stocked or a native or is it pretty much everything stocked? Yeah. If you caught a trout in West Virginia, it's stocked. Really? With, with no the, native? With the exception of the native brook trout. Now there are, I, I shouldn't say that there are some exceptions to that. Uh, there's some, some brown trout that are, that have been stocked as fingerlings and have grown up to adulthood, but they were stocked. The only native trout we have in West Virginia are the, uh, the native brook trout. And you really have to work to get those because they are in some of the tiny streams and the headwaters of a lot of our rivers. Mm-hmm. And they're not exceptionally big. Uh, a big one would be about 10, 12, 13 inches, that would be a really big one. Sometimes they get up a little over that, but mm-hmm. not much. Uh, and and they are incredibly beautiful. They're, they're colorful. Their markings on the side, they're just a gorgeous fish. Uh, yeah, if you caught one of those, that's a native. But and you would, part, you would, know, you would know it? You would know it when you caught it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you had been specifically trying to get them. You don't just go out and oh, oh look, I caught a native brook trout okay. today. Yeah, yeah, it's not like that. Okay. And how do how does uh, uh, DNR decide how many f- what pound, how many pounds of fish they put in what location? A lot of it depends on the size of the water and the water quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that really has a lot to do with it. They've been doing this since the 1950s, and so over time, they've been able to really you know gauge how much fish they should put in which waters and at what point in the year so and they've got and a lot of it has to do as to as to where they put them uh where do they have access to get the truck to the creek that's that's another part of it governor justice a couple of years ago uh ordered that they start dispersing them a little more with Mm -hmm. buckets uh so they they do that where they need to where they can't get right to the creek 
and that does spread them out a little bit. But but uh, honestly, hop fish will swim and they'll they'll disperse themselves. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Okay, you you probably don't have a chance to get out. You're too busy working. Seems that way, but uh, I don't I don't do much trout fishing anyway. I'm more really? of a, I'm more of a bass fisherman. Yeah, but oh, okay. and not not to say that I don't trout fish. And why is that? I just I prefer to fish for bass. They're my the particularly smallmouth bass. I I just I I have a passion for catching them. I think they're one of the most exciting fish to catch. Now there's a lot of trout guys screaming at the radio right now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because they you know especially the fly fishermen. Everybody's got their own thing. So I don't diss anybody. But that that's personally to me. If I had if I could only do one kind of fishing for the rest of my life, I'd float the New River. You just get you just get on your bass boat and float down the new river. Not even not a bass boat, even just like a raft or something. I'd, I'd you get float, on a raft. I'd float with those big river. floating kayaks and you float down yep. the new river. If that was the the only thing you told me I could do as far as fishing for the rest of my life, that'd be my cat, my pick. All right, got it. All, All right, right, man. All right, good to talk to you. Thanks. <laughs> It's funny what, what it's funny what you call me and ask to come and talk about. <laughs> well, I just I I, because, I tell you why because I try to keep up on what's happening in West Virginia. Okay, that's that's what I do, and I've been hearing you talking about stocking, and for some reason, and even though I've been around since dirt, you know, I I, I guess I wasn't aware that stocking was going on this time of year, and it just got me thinking, that's all. And I don't, again, I rely on you because I'm not a fisherman or a hunter, so I got to come to you and say, okay, now what's going on here, and, you know, where are we stocking, and why, and who's fishing, and so that's... And I that's- appreciate that, because, Hoppy, my, my mission is to is to bring the love and excitement and enjoyment of hunting and fishing to the masses that may or may not participate in those, but to celebrate the opportunities we have to do those activities in West Virginia. Well, and you do that well, and I appreciate that. I just, again, I know there are that a large percentage of West Virginians are interested in fishing and hunting and do fish and hunt, and I don't, mm-hmm. but I don't want to exclude that from what I'm talking about. You know, you'd be surprised how many people I talk to who say, I don't fish or hunt at all, but I listen to your show on Saturday morning. I'll learn a lot. And that's, well, yeah, that's, that's the greatest tribute in the world. Thank you. Well, I, I do. I mean, I do too, just because I don't, I don't know these things. Well, I, I can talk to you about PEIA, but I can't about trout fishing. Yeah. So. I'd rather talk. I think even you'd rather talk about trout fishing. Well, I pro- probably PEI was a bad example. You're probably right. I'd rather talk. I'd rather hear some fishing stories. Exactly. Than, yeah. All right. Exactly. All right, Chris. Thanks right, a lot. Man. All right. Uh, follow Chris again uh, every morning, 635 West Virginia Outdoors, and his Saturday morning show at 706 and on the website at WVMetroNews.com. Talk line continues. We'll be right back. Hey, Chris Lawrence here, and we're in the home stretch of our Hoodoo Sports Trophy Photo Contest. All of you who've shared your pictures of your outdoor adventures, thank you. And we're still accepting them through the end of the month, and we have one more Hoodoo Sports prize pack for the month of January. And then in February, we pull for the grand prize, a Hoodoo Sports Fishing Kayak, winner pick from all pictures submitted. To submit your pictures, go to the Outdoors page of WVMatronews.com, click the contest icon on the right, and submit your pick, and then check out the full gallery. And don't forget, if it's a trophy to you, it's a trophy to us. People come here in search of answers. They come here for healing and to regain their quality of life. Here, we have healthcare professionals that provide extraordinary care and amazing results. Here is in West Virginia, where our hospitals are making discoveries, providing relief and restoring your health. I am Dina Zirkel, a West Virginia nurse, and I invite you to learn more about your community hospitals. West Virginia Hospitals, defining resilience up to the challenge. A message from the West Virginia Hospital Association, online at wvha.org. We are there for you, to care for you, at the health plan. We are here for you. 
the health plan, we are here for you. And that means something. It means we're headquartered right here in West Virginia, providing exceptional health coverage, local customer service, and putting your family first when it matters most. The health plan, we are here for you. This is Talk Line on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Hey everybody, it's Tony Caridi. And I'm Brad Howe. And that makes two of the three guys that bring you the podcast entitled Creatively Enough. Three guys before the game. It's our opportunity to really drill down on WVU football and basketball. We break down the opponent and then review every single game. We'll give you some numbers. We'll bicker back and forth. We'll take your calls, your texts, your tweets, and get into some of your questions. And we invite you to join us each and every episode. It's three guys before the game from Metro News. The Metro News website is your primary source for news and sports in the Mountain State. From breaking news to in-depth analysis, high school, Mountaineer, Marshall, and Mountaineers conference coverage. News for hunters and fishermen on the outdoors page. And Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary. Plus all your favorite shows. Sports Line, Talk Line, Hotline, The High School Sports Line, The Sunday Night Sports Line, West Virginia Outdoors, and more. All archived on the site and just a click away. Keep up with what's happening in our state at WVMetroNews.com. Hi, this is Travis Jones. Join me and Coach Greg Hunter every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 o'clock on the Metro News Radio Network for the SityNet Sunday night statewide sports line. We'll wrap up the week in sports in the Mountain State, talk about the Mountaineers, high school, and the Mountain East Conference. Plus, you can join the conversation on our toll-free line or on our text line at 304-TALK-304. Join us every Sunday night from 6.06 until 8 p.m. on Metro News. It's the SityNet Sunday night statewide sports line. Hey there, Dave Weekly here. Metro News Hotline presents what's trending in sports, music, movies, tech, television, and more from a Mountain State point of view. Renowned local and national guests pepper the daily lineup with authoritative insights and commentary on a wide variety of topics from West Virginia high school sports to the financial markets. Join the fun. Every day, Coop and I dip into irreverent discussions with calls, texts, tweets, the question of the day, and the always popular in or out. Metro News Hotline, weekdays from 3 to 6 on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival is brought to you by Encova Insurance. Encircling you with coverage to protect what you care about most. Visit Encova.com to learn more. Like the Encova Insurance Studios. I can't remember the last time I fished. It might, I mean, it's been 25 years ago. and It was not like stream fishing. I think it was in down the Florida Keys where you go out. It's, it's not even like real fishing. Because you go out in this boat and somebody somebody baits your your rod, and if you get it caught on a rock, they fix it. So it's not exactly like fishing. And well, I just don't. I'm interested. I mean, as a talk show host and as a reporter slash talk show host. So I'm, and I know that fishing and hunting are obviously huge deals in West Virginia. So I like to keep up with it. I'm just not interested enough. I'm interested in it, but I'm not interested enough to do it myself. And I know that some of you are like, oh, you love to go out and, you know, get to the streams out in the middle of nowhere and sit there and fish and, you know, it's quiet. I, I don't have that kind of attention. I mean, my attention span is too short. My, I, I got to be, when, when, I, when my wife and I go to the beach, when I've been to the beach, I can't remember the last time I did that, frankly. But um, so day one is like, oh, this is great. 
sitting on the beach, all quiet, watching the waves. Watching the waves, looking around, feet in the sand, looking at the ocean. And then by, <laughs> by the second day, I'm like, okay, now what are we doing? <laughs> now what are we doing? Yeah, I've been looking at the ocean. <laughs> yeah, I had my feet. What are we doing? What's, what's next? Short attention span. Probably the same way with hunting. Well, and I, and I don't, I know you shouldn't say this because if you say, whenever I say this, people say, how could you tell people? I don't have a gun. I don't have a gun. I don't have, I absolutely have nothing against guns. I understand what the Second Amendment is and it's a uh, uh, constitutional right to, for you to keep and bear arms as a law-abiding citizen. I just don't, I have not been trained in the use of a gun. I have not been trained. I could be, but I haven't been. So I don't. Text topic, I guess this is the gun bill. We also have the transgender no surgery for gay bashing bill, but we haven't seen the God bill yet. Have I missed one? Many problems to solve in this state. And can we argue, and all we can argue about is the size of the tax cut. Well, a couple points about that. Number one is that the legislature actually can walk and chew gum at the same time. So there are different committees considering different bills, and literally hundreds of bills will move. So the legislature can, in fact, do multiple things at the same time. I think the, I think the tax bill is the biggest bill, or the tax effort is the biggest story. So we spend a lot more time on that. But we've talk, we talk about other things that are going on. I mean, the, uh, there's a bill that's going to radically change unemployment. Uh, we've talked about that. I've written about that. There is uh, campus carry. Okay, that's we talked about that. Um, oh, and the the bill I wrote about this. I haven't talked about it much, but I wrote about this for yesterday. The bill that would prevent uh, surgery on transgender youth. The bill that pr- would prevent surgery on transgender youth. In other words, if if a youth uh, wants to change his or her sexual equipment or their look, uh, that that would be prevented uh, under under this bill. I wrote about that. I, I think it's a I think it's a very very complicated controversial issue, and also it strikes me as a solution looking for a problem because I don't think it happens in West Virginia right now. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, text three oh four talk three oh four. Uh, be please remember the right to own and bear arms shall not be infringed. The Heller decision established the right of an individual in Washington, D.C., by the U.S. Supreme Court, the right of an individual in Washington, D.C. to have a gun in their home. In other words, it was, a, uh, it was a, an acknowledgement of the right of an individual to own a weapon, to own a gun. That was, the, that was what was drawn from the Heller decision. However, Justice Scalia also said that does not mean that there cannot be laws passed by the legislature, that, by legislatures or by Congress, that restrict use or access of guns. There, there, there is no, there, there is not, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court has made it clear that you can have such restrictions. It is not that right, like all rights, are not, unf- are not um, 
are not unfettered. Is unfettered the right word? They're not, uh, you, you, you can have, they're like free speech. There are restrictions on that. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Hoppy, I'm willing to bet that 100% of all the people who have concealed carry for self-defense. Hoppy, my niece attended Liberty University. They passed this uh, carry action several years ago for their campus. My niece came home, got her carry permit, as did all her friends. No Wild West shootouts or any trouble there. Concealed carry, Hoppy. People will think, people will rethink their actions before they do dumb things. Hoppy, the reality is for a family with children, the tax rate is already extremely low after the credits. The payroll deduction is barely noticeable, yet the vehicle property tax bill uh, has to be paid in one lump sum is a hardship for many families. Yeah, I mean, I think you can make a compelling argument that uh, for an argument in arguing for tax relief, you can make a compelling argument for the rebate on the vehicle tax because that's something that you may not pay any income tax. Or, or very little because of what your income level is, but you may have a vehicle, and therefore you are taxed on that vehicle. So I do get that. Happy again. Happy you made your decision to stay on the air. Your discussions, insight to issues involving our state are tremendously important. Don't always agree, but always appreciate your thoughts. Happy, what, what you do is a calling, same as doctors, uh, teachers, and so many other professions. That's very kind of you to say. I would not put myself in the same category as a doctor, but um, just a humble talk show host. Text topic, research shows the presence of guns greatly increases the likelihood of violence, not heals it. Hoppy, I'm not a big fan of college students carrying guns, but I like the rule because someone, if someone's there to commit mass murder, You'd have to wonder how many guns were there without knowing he was walking in unobstructed. Well, I know know the argument that what stops a perpetrator with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Uh, I know that argument. I I don't know how many. I'll have to do more research. I don't know how many times that actually happens. I mean, certainly more with the police than the average citizen, but... All right, take a break and be back. Jackpots in the millions here in West Virginia. Who doesn't want to be a millionaire? Get in the Powerball drawings Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, and the Mega Millions drawings on Tuesdays and Fridays. Will you be the next big winner? Play today. The Powerball jackpot is $526 million. The Mega Millions jackpot is $31 million. Hey, Chris Lawrence here, and we're in the home stretch of our Hoodoo Sports Trophy Photo Contest. All of you who've shared your pictures of your outdoor adventures, thank you. And we're still accepting them through the end of the month. And we have one more Hoodoo Sports prize pack for the month of January. And then in February, we pull for the grand prize, a Hoodoo Sports Fishing Kayak. Winner pick from all pictures submitted. To submit your pictures, go to the outdoors page of WBMatronews.com. Click the contest icon on the right and submit your pick, and then check out the full gallery. And don't forget, if it's a trophy to you, it's a trophy to us. We are there for you, to care for you, at the health plan, we are here for you. At 
the health plan, we are here for you. And we have been one of the most trusted carriers for over 40 years. Headquartered right here in West Virginia, providing exceptional health coverage and local customer service. The health plan, we are here for you. You're listening to TalkLine on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. This morning, the biggest stories from around the state of West Virginia. When you want them. Brought to you by Burdett Camping Center. Chris Lawrence at the Anchor Desk. We're ready to get your day started in West Virginia with all the information you need. Carrie Hudasek brings you the day's headlines. Kanawha County deputies are investigating a weekend shooting that left a 20-year-old woman injured in St. Albans. It happened Saturday night in the 700 block of High Street. The woman was shot in the leg. Deputies say the shooter stayed on scene and it is believed to be accidental. Kyle Wiggs at the sports desk the conference title games on sunday 13 and 4 san francisco at 14 and 3 philadelphia at 3 o'clock 12 and 4 cincinnati at 14 and 3 kansas city at 6 30 another two-game week for the mountaineers who fell at home to number seven texas saturday mountaineers are one and six in the big 12 and hoppy kerchival's daily commentary metro news this morning brought to you by burdett camping center listen where you get your favorite podcasts and online at wvmetronews.com Weekdays at 3 on Hotline, we talk about what you're talking about in sports, popular culture, tech, and more. We pepper our daily lineup with renowned local and national guests with authoritative perspectives on a wide variety of topics from high school sports to Hollywood and the financial markets. Every day, Coop and I have irreverent discussions with you using texts and tweets, plus our exclusive content like the question of the day in or out in Beer Friday. Metro News Hotline, weekdays on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. This Saturday and every Saturday throughout the high school basketball season, Metro News brings you the High School Basketball Roundup, a weekly update of high school teams across the Mountain State featuring scores, rankings, and in-depth features by Kyle Wiggs, Joe Bricado, and Taylor Kennedy. Join host Fred Persinger for the latest high school basketball news this Saturday morning on the High School Basketball Roundup from the voice of high school sports in West Virginia, the Metro News Radio Network. Talk line from me in COVID Insurance Studios, text 304-TALK-304. Hoppy, I am completely in favor of campus carry, and I reject the argument that students are too young. 18-year-olds go to war for us. Two points about that. The first is that an 18-year-old who goes to war has extensive training in the use of a weapon, and it's uh, so there, there is that. I know there's training that goes along with the concealed carry, but it's not like anything you would get in the military. The other thing is, as an 18-year-old, you can get a provisional concealed carry license. I don't think the requirements are any different than a concealed carry for 21 and up. I think it's just called a provisional permit. I think. The firearm debate on college campuses makes folks feel unsafe on both sides. The debate will always be controversial no matter what law is in effect. Right now, conservatives feel unsafe that a crazy person would come on campus at any time with a firearm, and I can't protect myself. On the other hand, the left-wingers say they disagree with firearms because it makes them feel insecure. What's the right answer? Nothing we can do to satisfy everyone. 
Uh, certainly nothing on the gun issue, that's for sure. Texapi, Jason Huffman for governor. Huffman was our guest in the last half hour. Hoppy, when the governor was out campaigning against Amendment 2, did he not say his first bill this session would be a rebate for the car taxes? He did. He did. And that is already, in, I believe, in the trash heap. And I think it's in the trash heap because the House didn't want it. I think the House wanted a clean bill, as they say, that only dealt with the income tax rates. So the governor pretty quickly uh, abandoned or sacrificed the vehicle tax rebate. See you tomorrow from Charleston. This has been Talkline on Metro News. Metro News is the voice of West Virginia. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.